listening to the Nutmeg Arena by the Nutmeg Assist. Hello and welcome to this week's TNA podcast with me, myself, the co-host. And this week's joint co-host is Sadesh. Sadesh, how are you? Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm good, but I kind yeah. of, yeah, the football is all over again and Champions League football, like quite interesting Champions League action this week. So yeah, it, it cannot be a better time to be a football fan. Yeah, yeah. And just to let the listeners know, obviously, uh, my usual co-host, Riffwick, we got to make a last-minute change to the starting lineup with Sadesh this week, while in no uncertain terms, I think Riffwick's just battled it on the basis that Fulham beat Liverpool. So I think he's still lying in bed with his head <laughs> under the pillow. So I'll get my chance next week, don't worry. <laughs> um, interesting few topics this week. Um I'm glad Sadesh is on because uh, the first topic is going to be Barcelona and the appointment of Jean Laporta as the new the new president. Uh, Sadesh is quite the expert on Barcelona, so I'm going to let him take the lead on this one. Sadesh, um, is, is this a good appointment? Um. Uh. So yeah. So let's talk from the roots of it, like where Barcelona yeah. is right now, and I at the, at this point in history. Barcelona are in much deeper crisis than they have ever been in their history, right? So, yeah. in the hint side, look, we had three choices to choose from. Joan Laporta, um, Victor Font, or Antoni Fixer. So, um, as you as you know, uh, Victor Font has been working with this campaign for like a decade now. Joan Laporta, of course, the great, uh, the, the president under which Barcelona saw their greatest, arguably the greatest days from 2003 to 2010. And then Andoni Frixia, who was a part of like the same stream that previous presidents with the likes of Sandra Rossell and uh, Joseph Maria Bartomeu uh, belonged to. And this time, I think people definitely chose to work inclined towards Laporta because his first appointment um, in t- 2003 was more or less similar to what is now. I, I mean, we can agree to the fact that uh, right now Boston has a bigger crisis to overcome. But I think with people trusting an already proven source, this might be the better appointment and this might be a very good appointment indeed. Yeah. Do you, th- do you think the appointment, do you think... He's won this election purely on the basis that people are hoping that it goes like last time. Or is there some more, is there, is there more to it? I mean, uh, it goes back, it, it, it goes both the way, I would say. People have voted him on the basis of what he has done previously in Barcelona, as well as the promise that he brings to Barcelona. So, for example, if you can look at it, I think uh, a year ago we couldn't even see Joan Laporta running vigorously like Victor Font ran for the candidacy. But yeah, yeah, Joan Laporta came in the last moment and he kind of brought in and did the right thing um, as he should as a lawyer, did the right thing by, you know, kind of staying neutral and kind of not relying on anyone like Victor Font did. So not in the promise of uh, a a rebuild or... He talked about how Barcelona are a great club and the greatness can still be restored. Unlike Victor Font, who kind of pointed out on individuals that backed off 
at the very last moment. For example, Xavi, uh, that he used all along his presidential candidate, is openly committed to Al-Sad uh, up until the 2020 World Cup, at least. And also Jordi and Gerard Piquet, who publicly denied Victor Font's ideals. Uh, but in this case, I think Juan Laporta kind of stayed neutral and with the image that he already had from 2003 and to, to 2010. And of course, the downfall of Sandro Rossell and Joseph Maria Bartomeu's dynasty. Uh, Juan Laporta built up to that more. And with some hint of promise, uh, I think he made it as the president of Barcelona yet again. And I think he is the first man to do it in 70 years of Barcelona history. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone who watched the election on Monday or stayed up to date with it would have been entirely, would have been surprised at all that Laporta has uh, gained control of the club once more. But in your opinion, I think it's fair to say this is a positive outcome because just the club moving on from uh, the last regime is positive. Um, but yeah. What yeah. are the first, what are the first things that he needs to do now, Laporta, to 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 make sure that this new election gets gets off uh, this new appointment and this new regime gets off on the right foot? What are the steps that he needs to do from purely from a football perspective, in your opinion? Uh, yeah. So I think with the type of crisis that Barcelona are in right now, I think we have a lot of talking points as to what Laporta has to do um, and build up. I think everything from footballing matters to non-footballing matters. Barcelona are in samples right now. Yeah. yeah, so it can be indicated by the election results as well, like the uh, candidate that belonged to the previous regime's stream uh, got the least amount of vote. And Victor Font and Joan Laporta, who basically belongs to belong to the same ideology, but different personals, got the most out of it, the most votes. So now the main challenge for Joan Laporta of integrate football club Barcelona as a club. If it makes sense, Barcelona are in a deep economic crisis now. And when we talk about footballing uh, prowess or how strong a football club can one be, uh, the football club always has to kind of manage its finances, uh, not necessarily buying players, but, you know, uh, maintaining its own players or the salary caps and etc. So right now they're in like more than a billion in depth, billion euros in depth. He has to overcome that first. And in terms of footballing terms, like he has a lot of players that need to be sorted out, but whether it be like players that are that have huge salary caps or the Lionel Messi situation, which um, Messi might leave or stay depending on what the club promises him. And uh, so it's, it's kind of a rebuild. And Juan Laporta did that when he took the presidency in 2003. Although the challenge is very big, uh, everyone can admit that. I think it's, again, trying to reload, go back to the basics, go back to La Masia, or go back to a kind of making statement signings like he did, which, which seems more unlikely due to their financial situation right now, which he did, like, like statement signings like Ronaldinho, which he did in 2003. Um, yeah. So... It's kind of a mixture of both uh, going back to basics, going back to La Masia to reconstruct or, uh, you know, taking in quality players with uh, the financial arrangement. So I would say more than the footballing terms, I think Barcelona as a club right now need an economic stability to uh, progress towards um, a better footballing future. Yeah. I mean, just speaking about the club purely from 
a football sense now and, and let's stick to things solely for, for on the pitch. I mean, 2021 has seen a bit of a pro- progression, I think, in terms of the way the team's played, mm-hmm. uh, the form of individuals. Um, and I, I don't want to say I'm surprised by that because I know Ronald Koeman quite well because I'm an Evertonian and obviously he's managed our club. And that tends to be a sort of signature within the football clubs that he's managed, that the, the, his teams tend to get better in the second half of the season. Do you think, do you think he's, how do you think Laporta will approach the situation with Koeman? Because I think many, many football fans and many Barcelona fans alike will have seen Koeman just as a one season man. Do you think he's going to go forward and get that second season? Or do you think there's going to be a new, a new managerial appointment within the summer? Um, yeah, that has always been a question, question ever since day one, uh, isn't it? Uh, for yeah. Dortmund, because he undertook a club in crisis, after, especially after Barcelona was humiliated and thrashed out of the Champions League after the 8-2 results against Bayern. So um, coming to that, um, out of all the candidates, Joan Laporta was the one who never endorsed any managerial changes. For example, Victor Font openly advocated uh, to... Uh, bring in Xavi and to the extent that removing Ronald Koeman immediately if he gets elected. But on the other hand has been like, okay, guys, uh, this uh, is kind of uh, working well. If things get worse, we'll definitely look for options. But up until now, after what damage has been done to the club, after that, I think this is this is kind of a buffer. Although Joan Laporta has said Barcelona is a club that can never afford to have a transition season. So up until now, after how Laporta has fared with his previous managers and how Laporta is as a person, I think it is still an open question. It still depends on if Barcelona can get the domestic treble, no, domestic double, sorry, uh, yeah. sealed at the end of the season. So the league is still open, I would say, uh, with Atletico Madrid kind of getting um, a shaky results towards the end. And Copa del Rey, of course, is open. Despite Barcelona crashing out of the Champions League uh, yesterday night, it still is open for Ronald Koeman's side. And with how the youngsters have developed and how the team has kind of gotten back to its rhythm in the recent games, uh, I think it's still an open question and depends on the outcome at the end of the season. And I think Laporta is also considering that. Yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he's playing it very cleverly, Laporta, from what I've read. Uh, the things that he said, the statements that he's released, uh, even pre-election, uh, as opposed to just this week. Again, he's like you said, he's not made any kind of indication that he's gonna uh, make a managerial change just yet, which I think is good, considering that the club is, has made um, has made ha, has. I know they went out the Champions League last night, but I think I think I think we both agree that PSG are just a better team than Barcelona at the minute. So I don't think it's come as a great shock that they've come out. Uh, gone out the competition in that fixture, but the, yeah. there has been a significant improvement on the pitch this year. So I think it would be wrong for Laporta just to come in now and start saying right, Cummins leaving at the end of the season because they're like you said, Atletico Madrid have dipped a little bit. Uh, so the, the, the title the title is still on for Barcelona. So I think he's doing everything right in that regard. I personally don't see Cummins going on beyond this season, mm-hmm. and I think that's not detriment to the to the job that he's done but I just don't think his 
idea of football and the way his teams play as something that matches the way Barcelona want to play. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is probably a separate separate discussion entirely. Uh, plus, I think I think Laporta will just want a complete, clean, new era. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, and obviously he should be working on that now in the background. If and when Cumin does go, who in your mind should be and will be in consideration for the job? Um, if we look at the news that are coming out pre-election and even post-election, uh, Joan Laporta has always been a figure that is quite updated about football, unlike Joseph Maria Bartomeu, who had a completely different background when he came forward as a president. So uh, talks or rumors of uh, Joan Laporta keeping an eye on Julian Nagelsmann or someone as big as Ralph Franick has come through, but I, I, I cannot be sure of that. He, he might be keeping an eye on uh, those kind of coaches because they, of course, are very big names uh, and uh, German coaches that kind of have brought revolution to their clubs and kind of yeah. guarantee you a mentality. But still, uh, in consideration, I think uh, Joan Laporta, Laporta definitely sees uh, Garcia Pimienta, the Barcelona B coach, as one of the strongest candidates uh, if Ronald Koeman is to be replaced. Or uh, he, he has not explicitly said this, but considering that everyone wants it and he's doing a great job, even Shabby, uh, after a season, can be a good option or it might yeah. be in Joan Laporta's books. Uh, other than that, uh, an ideal situation as a Barcelona fan would imagine. We can we always uh, think of Pep Guardiola leaving Manchester <laughs> and then you know coming back to Barcelona. We do think that, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. So in Joan Laporta's book, I think he's keeping an eye on the coaches, and I think it's it's going to be Garcia Pimienta if Ronald Koeman is to exit this summer or uh, with uh, with the passing time, we'll definitely see his interests and. Uh, his considerations uh, if Ronald Koeman does not walk out this summer. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. It will be interesting because I don't think there's any outstanding candidate or any obvious candidate to take over. Uh, yeah. um, I've mentioned there's, I've mentioned there is, there is, there is one manager that springs to mind, but, for some reason, I mean, Rick will probably laugh because I, I mentioned this guy's name for every job that becomes available, but I'm really surprised that no club has snapped them off yet. And that's Eric Ten Hag. I, yeah. I, yeah, I think he's in the books as well. Yeah. I, I probably, I, I forgot in the flow, but like Eric Ten Hag uh, with the Ajax-Barcelona combination might also be one of the candidates that is in John Laporta's books. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's only a matter of time before someone takes, they've got to, because I think the job that he's done at Ajax and the style of football, uh, it's not so much the Barcelona philosophy, but it certainly involves that. And it's a bit more progressive, I would say, in the way that Ajax play compared to, say, the way we associate Barcelona teams playing in the past. But I think Barcelona do need to evolve slightly in their in their approach. Uh, yeah. or the, 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 sorry, they, they need to evolve their philosophy slightly. So that would be interesting to see um, him get that job. But also to see who else is in the run. But we're going to move on from Barcelona now, but sticking with the Champions League. We know Barcelona, unfortunately, went out last night uh, to PSG, but even more of a shock, or was it a shock, 
to yourself when Juventus went out? I mean, like, um, uh, let's rest whether it was a shock or not. Definitely was one hell of a football match if you consider it. <laughs> yeah. Right? It was entertaining for all of us. And indeed, it is a shock because we always presume Juventus to be a team that always, you know, up until the quarterfinals at least, they march their way on. And especially with Cristiano Ronaldo as the addition uh, that they made in 2018, they, the expectations have only grown uh, upon Juventus. But with uh, Mauricio Sarri walking out this summer and uh, like an emergency appointment made uh, in the form of Andrea Pirlo, uh, I saw this coming, to be honest, uh, because yeah. it was very, you know, rushed uh coaching promotion and it and the side always looked as if it was building you know and it, it kind of came from uh Mauricio Sarri he only got a season and I I, I still thought uh, they were not properly over the last coach when Mauricio Sarri ended his first season and I I definitely thought he needed some more time in order for his side to full-on work in a manner that he wanted to uh, and I saw this coming, but not this early. I thought they would make their way into the quarterfinals uh, easily. Uh, and after like Porto uh, led the first leg, I thought there still was a chance for Juventus because they had Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, who, was, who has faced the situation more often than, uh, I, as far as I can remember, anyone. But yeah, it, it was kind of a shock that Juventus went out in the round of 16. And the way that they went out was even more for a, like what even more of a shock and kind of a mixture of shock and entertainment what about your Juventus has sort of started to puzzle me a little bit I mean I would certainly suggest that uh, the their owner or Andrea Agnelli stops yeah. trying to or stops focusing on a European Super League and starts focusing on the club a little bit more <laughs> because uh, for me, I mean, if you look at the last three Champions League campaigns now, that's Ajax, Leon, and Porto that they've gone gone out to. Now, as good as Ajax were that season, and I know they knocked Real Madrid out as well, um, and they were very unlucky and very good that year. There's not, they they shouldn't they shouldn't have beat Juventus that year. I mean, if you look at the, the you look at the the quality that Juventus have got in their squad and the amount of yeah, uh, variability that they have tactically, they should be able to. They they should have been able to overcome Juventus again. Leon will, oh, and again, people will say, "Oh, well, Leon beat Manchester City last year." But again, I don't know that Juventus were unfortunate with that decision against them. But overall, in the actual game, I never got the I never got the sense that they were ever going to go through in that tie. And I had a similar feel of going into this. LA. Obviously, I thought they were very, very, not. I wouldn't say fortunate in the first there, but they, they got the away goal towards the end of the game. And I thought, right, well, that that should that should give them enough impetus to go into the second leg. But there was still, this Juventus team concede a lot for me. They always concede one, maybe two goals a game. They never look as defensively solid as what yeah. they did, specifically since Max Allegri left. Um, as manager, and 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 it's fair to say that they've regressed a lot since Allegri left. Yeah, this team looks beatable whenever and whoever they play against. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a bit curious to see what happens next with them or what the board actually want. Because when they appointed Sari 
that indicated to me now, right, they're going from Allegri, who yeah, who could, who was very tactically versatile, was very tactically good, and he could fit, uh, he could fit, and he and he he done well to fit Ronaldo into that team, and also bring out the best in other players. But when he appointed Sarri, that indicated to me that the board wanted to go with more of a more of an attack approach. They wanted a manager who was going to enforce a philosophy on a team and we're going to play this way no matter what. So I was curious to see how that would affect Ronaldo because I think it's fair to say that Ronaldo's past his best now. He's yeah. still an unbelievable footballer. He's one of the best footballers ever. But now you cannot... He's just a centre-forward now. And especially the other night, I thought the game just passed him by the other night against Porto. And I thought he's become a bit more of a problem now, Ronaldo, for me. Uh, but going back, when they when they appointed Sarri, the, the, that indicated to me that the, the club were going with that sort of approach, a philosophy approach. Now you don't normally saw. I've I've done a podcast with Rick previously on on Juventus on on their their philosophy is winning. They don't yeah. really have a, a certain style of play. They leave that to other clubs to enforce. But with Sarri, that indicated that it was a different approach. But he only lasted the one season, and I thought he actually done very well to win the league. Really. And I know it was a close run thing. And then with Pirlo and then the sort of circumstances on how he was appointed manager, it sort of indicated that they were following that through with maybe a club legend and that he was gonna get he was gonna get the backing and this was gonna be more of a, a multiple year plan. But when you look at it now, over the last three years, they've gone out to those clubs that we've mentioned. They've gone out at the in the rounds. Early, early stages of the knockout rounds every year now for the last three years. They're now 10 points behind Inter Milan in Serie A. And you sort of think, well, where is this going to stop now? Because it's looking like since Max Allegri left the club, they just got worse every year. And mm-hmm. I, I, was looking at, I was looking at the transfers that they made this summer. They actually had a very good transfer window, I thought. I mean, if you look at the players that they bought, Morata, Chiesa, McKenney, they've all been really positive they've been some of the, the the main positives within the team this year so yeah I, 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 I'm quite curious to see what happens now with Juventus towards the end of the season whether they do stick with this let's build around let's pit, let, let's build a team with Pirlo at the helm or whether they actually the I don't want to say they bottled it with Sarri but whether they actually go with a, 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 with the, the cutthroat approach and say right now you haven't won anything this year year out so mm-hmm. It, it will be it, it will be interesting to see what happens there. But I just want to before we before we move on from that. I mean, what's your opinion on 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 the issue that I brought up with Ronaldo now? Do, do you agree with me that he has become a bit of a problem because of the lack of the say, not lack of ability, but the lack of what he actually offers to some kind of tactical approach? Uh, I, I I mean, when I look at Juventus these days, I think that tactics is going one way, whereas their intentions go the opposite of it. For example, if you looked at the Porto Juventus game, they were frequently planting the ball inwards. And as you said, Ronaldo now looks more of a passer than a poacher that he used to be at Real Madrid. And yes. that simply wasn't that simply wasn't working, right? So I, I think it's not up until, only until Ronaldo. It's also up until like the tactical approach that the team is built on. And I think yeah. at times, I, I think Pirlo's tactics get redundant and it gets kind of confusing with what is intending to and what is tactics uh, kind of uh, takes away. For example, like I said, 
and like they were planting in crosses, but there were no players that were making runs into the box, um, like uh, as it sh- it should have been. And in that sense, uh, Ronaldo now has kind of become, um, uh, I don't know, like he he's not the same that he used to be. Yes. Yeah, what we knew Ronaldo for was you know, his runs in the box or uh, his prowess to carry the drive the ball from uh, almost 30 yards uh, entering the box and then or even receiving the balls. Now he does, does not do that. In fact, the exact opposite is what is seen of him. And I think it, it all brings up to the players that he's surrounded to. And I don't know, I saw a tweet that kind of accurately relates to the situation. Uh, I think it was Jack Lowy who wrote this. He, he kind of wrote like the main... Uh, problem that Juventus have with Ronaldo is not that they bought Ronaldo, but they didn't buy Modric, Casemiro, and Tony Cruz with him. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, yeah. I mean, that's a good point that you brought up there. I, again, yeah. I, when I watched them, and like I said, I just think the 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 reason Ronaldo is the problem is because of who he is. And what he's achieved in the game and the profile of the player demands the team to be built around him. But for me, he, he doesn't offer anything else other than goals anymore. And don't get me wrong, in, in games like that where you go behind to a goal like that and you've only got a couple of minutes like it was on Tuesday night, there's obviously no better play that you want on the pitch. But if you're trying to build something for the long term, which Juventus surely are now, then... Then they've got to start. Be, they've got to start thinking of be, what's going to happen beyond Ronaldo. And I think there's other issues as well. Obviously, they still rely on, heavily on Chiellini uh, and Benucci. I mean, yeah. Chiellini's coming. They, they still don't look the same team when he's not in the team. And obviously, his age. And I don't get me wrong. I know Italian defenders traditionally will always last longer than most defenders because of the uh, not only because of the league, but probably. Because the, the the professionalism in which they approach the game is always it always tends to be higher than most other players from other countries. But yeah, I I do think there's a few issues that Juventus need to iron out for the long term there, and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next six months at the club, especially if uh, Conte and Inter Milan increase their lead because they just don't look like letting up at the moment. Now there's obviously a couple of other fixtures in the Champions League this week. Um, no real shocks if I'm being totally honest you've seen PSG go through last night uh, we've seen Liverpool go through last night and we've seen Borussia Dortmund go through with Porto on Tuesday do you think do you see do you envisage a winner at the Champions League coming from this com- coming from this set of fixtures this week um, I mean considering the crisis that Liverpool are going through and the always unpredictable PSG. I don't kind of exactly see a winner uh, from this set of uh, teams that went through. So, um, I mean, Porto, if they kind of pull a big, I mean, I stress on the big, a big miracle, uh, (laughs) it's still possible for every single club. So, uh, frankly, I don't kind of see a winner coming out of the set that we saw advancing the last night and the pre- the night before that. Mm. Who's your tip to win it, Suresh? Who's winning the Champions League this year? I mean, if uh, he manages not to overthink, I think it's going to be Manchester City, finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all comes down to Pep Guardiola and his overthinking 
and I, that's my opinion that he overthinks in crucial games like he did last season against Lyon. Um, so, oh yeah, and so I think yeah, it's all, it all depends on like who yeah. he does and does it. I mean, yeah. at the moment in the European circuit with Barcelona knocked out, with PSG having their own set of problems problems with Liverpool not yet as solid as they used to be. Um, I think we all can agree on the fact that Manchester City might be uh, the uh, best team in Europe right now. So a calculated uh, guess, unless nothing happens, would be Manchester City in everyone's point. Yeah, yeah. I think it's certainly an interesting tournament now. I think there's a set of teams there where you can... You can see vulnerabilities in the more, like you said, Guardiola tends to overthink things tactically in the knockout stages of Champions League. Always has done, and I think he, he will do again. You look at Bayern Munich, people are making them odds on and massive favourites, but they're, they're really defensively vulnerable and they don't seem quite at it this year. Yeah. I, know that was a, I know that was a fantastic result for them at the weekend, but I don't really think it, it's too hard to beat Borussia Dortmund this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's not a dig at them, but they're obviously very having a bit of a mixed-up season themselves. Then you look at Liverpool; they've got their defensive woes, but they seem to be. I think they, they seem to be going under the radar. I think in the Champions League, I think the Champions League performances have been very, very good. They seem to be controlling games a lot better. PSG have had that managerial change. Uh, Atletico Madrid, when I thought well, it could be their year, but I think now that Thomas Tuchel. His manager at Chelsea, that tie completely changed the minute Frank Lampard got sacked. And now that yeah. I, I fancy Chelsea going through. So maybe Chelsea as well. Tuchel's got the experience of going to the final. So there's good there's pros and cons to every team, but that's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, especially considering it'll be interesting to see who gets to in the next round. Because as you know, I always think Champions League football, it's not, the best teams don't necessarily win it. Yeah. It's not yeah, it's all about doing just it's a knockout tournament, so it's about just doing what you need to do to get through. Yeah, the tie. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I think I think Zidane and Real Madrid proved that when they won it those three years on the bounce. I don't think they were the best team in Europe by any stretch of imagination any year, but they just done enough to get through each tournament. They they were just like perfect tournament team, and that yeah. could prove the case. It'll be that that could happen this year. I think someone like that who just handles. A two-legged game, the best will go on to win it. So I mean, I mean, it's not about consistency in these knockout tournaments. Like it's capitalizing the most out of clutch moments. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's like both the pros and the pros and the cons of it lies in both the pros and the cons of these kind of knockout tournaments. And uh, yeah, high chance that we'll see something like that this season as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm moving on to our last last topic. Of this and got moving on to Germany. Um, were you shocked at this week's announcement uh, by Yogi Love's? Uh, well, Yogi Love's an announcement that uh, this year's European Championships are going to be his last tournament in charge. I mean, we we all saw this coming, if we don't lie, because um, the set of players that he has managed, the generation has completely wiped off, and yeah. tournament by tournament, Germany were not the team that they used to be under him. So we all saw this coming. It was not a matter of if, but it was a matter of when. And I'm not even surprised that they, uh, like he kind of decided this before the Euros, that the Euros are going to be his last tournament. And he's like, they're going to get some time to prepare for the 2022 World Cup. Uh, so not at all surprising, but kind of an end of an era, I would say. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think the time the timing's quite interesting. And when I was thinking about this, when when I seen it, I thought, oh, I think it's been perfect. I don't know whether obviously the German FA would have known. I'm assu- I'm assuming that they would have known before it was announced, but whether they've known sort of for a number of weeks or maybe even months uh, about about his intention to do this. But you can see the reaction to what was happening in Germany after that Spain results. Uh, I think it was, I don't, I'm not sure whether it was November or October now when Spain beat them 6-0 now. If it was announced after that game, yeah. then then that next year's tournament was going to be his last tournament. The negativity and the sort of, not disappointment, but there would have been a lot of negativity around Germany at that. It would have looked like he was sacked. It would have looked like he's, it would have just looked like a, a problem decision as where they've announced it now, I actually think it's good for them because it's actually positive. I actually think it will actually herald a positive response from the players within this uh, in the summer. The, the, the players that he actually decides to go with. I don't know if that's a sentiment that you agree with, but it actually gives. I think it will give them. And I've been reading between the lines for a number of years now. He actually holds a, a very good relationship with the squad of players that he, he, he tends to pick. Yeah. And I actually think it'll actually... I don't want to give them it'll give them more motivation. I don't want to say that because that seems to be a bit of a myth in football, I think. Because I think German footballers tend to be highly motivated anyway to go mm-hmm. and win tournaments. But I actually think it'll give them that little bit of uh, positivity, uh, positivity approaching the tournament. Mm, yeah, definitely. Like um, It's always better to kind of, you know... Um, get into this kind of situation where you know you have a you have a certain time to prepare for the next chapter. And as as I told you, the Spain loss to Germany was uh, had almost made it clear that Joachim, like his time at the German national team was limited and was ticking. Yeah. And uh, as of right now, I think what delayed the decision was because I don't see any prolific uh, alternatives to uh, him in the German national team. I mean, there are a lot of German coaches that have made it through the ranks and um, are big names in football right now, but the problem is they all are committed or not suited to uh, the uh, German FA's um, criteria. Criteria. Or or we can even call it protocol. Like I I read, I think I read this in December, what Raphael Honigstein wrote in his uh, Germany mailbag at The Athletic was that they might go for Hansi Flick but I think he might be, no, they might go for Ralf Ragnick, but I think he would have been too commanding for the German FA or too revolutionary for German FA that yeah. he would want his things to go on. So these are the considerations that we have. So I think now was kind of a better time if it was not after the Spain, the loss against Spain. So this might be the best time that it, it could have been announced and with the Euro just knocking on. And now they have the last, they have the last dance left. Uh, yes. He has done a good job with German national team and we got to see who the options will be. Uh, what do you think about the options now? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, what I mentioned before with the time and I think it allows the German FA now to find a successor. Uh, again, for me, very much echo your sentiments regarding there's no obvious candidate yet. Uh, there's a lot of good German coaches uh, around at the minute, but there's no, I don't think they're actually at that stage where international football will either suit them. I uh, don't think they're ready for that. 
a step up yet and obviously I know most Germans would probably want Jurgen Klopp but he's obviously already ruled himself out just again yeah, uh, yeah. timing and football is everything um, for me there's only the other gonna I think like you said Ralph Ranić uh, because he's available immediately he's one of the he's one of the Germany's German football's biggest innovators uh, he's tactically very versatile um, but like like you said, I think I'm not sure whether the German FA would be ready to sort of. I think if he comes in, he wants full control. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it, and he'll he'll make some changes, which might be positive. But I don't know if the German FA are ready to do that and relinquish that full control. Uh, the like I said, Handy Flick appointment would be good because it would offer continuity because he was he was on the backroom staff. Uh, yeah. Plus he he would probably offer new ideas as well. So there will be a progression. Uh, other than them two, the, the, again, Nagelsmann's not going to do it. Yeah. Klopp's not going to do it. Uh, Thomas Tuchel's not going to do it now that he's took the Ch- Chelsea job. And again, there's a lot of other coaches uh, that we could mention within uh, the Bundesliga at the moment, but they're just not ready for it. Uh, and I don't think they would want to make that step up. So they're the two obvious ones. Uh, I mean, you could look at uh, Stefan Kuntz, who is the under 21 manager. Yeah. Uh, or, or there's, uh, I, f- I think I'm pronouncing this right. I think, is it Sorge, who is Yogi Love's assistant? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know if that would be the right idea, if I'm honest. I've, um I, I don't. I, some, sometimes it, it just doesn't sit with me when assistant managers take over. We we had that in England with Steve McLaren taking over from Sven Goran Eriksson, and it's like, well, does it actually offer any kind of change? Sometimes change is good for players in terms of training, tactical approach. Sometimes that little bit of change is good for them. Would that offer any kind of change if they appointed the assistant manager? I'm not so sure. So, it, I mean, again, this is the Germans. I don't think. I don't think this is going to be. Some this is going to be a prolonged approach from them. I think we'll know within the next two months who's going to take over. I think it has to be quick, or not so much quick, but it has to be. They have to. They have to know before they go into the tournament who's gonna who's gonna uh, who's gonna take over that job. Um, I've got a funny feeling <laughs> that it's going to be Hansi Flick, uh, and, I, and I think we'll see Nailsman go to Bayern Munich. But but do you see Hansi Flick kind of? Um, leaving Bayern this early, consider that he has come to club football after 2004 and he's kind of delivering at its best? Well, again, when you when you put it like that, <laughs> then no. But if he was to win the Champions League again, then what more can he achieve? But still, it, it kind of, he's always been vocal about like coming into club football and learning more. Yeah. And he was one of those back of uh, law himself. So do yeah. you see that coming? Is it just your instinctive prediction, or is it like, do you favor him before a country? I mean, no. I would, I would love personally for me. I would love to see Ralph Ranić take the job. I would love to see the German FA give it to him because uh-huh. I think, I think, I think he's what what he's done for fo- German football uh, has been. I don't want to say radical. But it has certainly helped them progress to the levels that they have in terms of developing players over the last 10 to 15 years. And now there's not only it's not solely down to him. There has been other pivotal members. Yogi Love has won himself uh, to help that standard uh, get so high. 
But so I mean, if it was my personal choice, obviously I'm not German, so I mean it's it's not coming from the heart. But I'm a massive Ralph Rangnick fan, but I just don't I just don't see them going for him. I think he's at the right age to do it as well. He's 62 years of age, I think, off the top of my head. So I think he's at the right age to be managing at international level. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. So, so something tells me that their first choice and they will make the approach for Hansi Flick. And there are there has also been rumours of maybe not discontent at Bayern Munich, but a little bit of an issue between him and the director of football there, uh, Sally Hamadich, I think it is. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. So maybe maybe I'm looking something so, a little bit too much into it there, but I don't know. I mean, we all would love to see Ralph Rannick finally leading a national team and then, you know, implying what he's already done into the German national team. And when I said, like, it's an end of an era, like you stressed, it's not only the end to like stint a German national team, but I think this is going to be quite like a jerk in which German national team will let everything uh, in the past go in, you know, will refresh and will look for another approach. And in that matter, like they're searching for something new. So I don't see the backroom staff, uh, except for Hansi Flick, uh, going to take over. Uh, at the German national team. Yeah. We'll we'll be interesting. We'll be interesting. Um, and that just about brings an end to this week's show. So Dash, I hope you've enjoyed it. I've I mean I enjoy, I've certainly uh, enjoyed having you on. Yeah. I mean I always enjoy when I do TNA podcasts like, you know, <laughs> uh, I just hope you guys kind of take me like bring me very often to this podcast. Like, like it's always very fun to talk about football, isn't it? And with this good topic, these good topics to talk about, I mean, it's always great and fun uh, to go on and on up until like 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's been good. It's been a good show, actually. A lot of interesting topics this week. Uh, obviously, we did have some Patreon questions from our usual Patreon detail, but they were answered by yourself uh, very early on when we discussed in Barcelona who the next appointment would be, whether the, whether Joanne Laporta's appointment was seen as a positive thing. Uh, so you answered them, you answered them in great detail. So thank you very much for that. Uh, thank you very much to all our listeners, and I'll see you next week, guys. Yeah, see you next week, hopefully, guys. Uh, like. I might or might not be here next week, but I would love to be here next week. So uh, with all my optimism, see you next week, guys. Keep listening to the Nutmeg Arena.